Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Transcending Together with Julianne and Lee. Good afternoon, beautiful and amazing human beings. It's a hello from me. And it's a hello from Lee. So how is everyone doing? It's nearly Christmas. Yay! <laughs> Being I can't believe I... how quickly this year's gone. Oh, but we say that every year. It just always seems to happen that way, doesn't it? So... I think that yeah, I the know. older you get, the quicker it goes. <laughs> yeah, you start running out of time, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, I've had a pretty good week. Uh, two weeks, no drinks, so that's quite good. Awesome. I must admit, I'm, I, I do miss, though. I am missing it, but um, but I feel better for it, I have to say. So that's a bit of good news. And this week, we're actually planning to do a whole show around good news good news that's been coming out recently so hopefully you will appreciate that because i think the last few sessions that we've done have been quite serious and quite um yeah just just very i guess not good news is probably the best way of putting it maybe a little bit pessimistic so so yeah so that's what we'll be focusing on this week but before we get started lee what you been up to i haven't been up to much because last week i was pretty busy getting all my work sorted before I went on leave so I'm now on leave yay um and just winding down for the rest of the year taking a chill sorry just adjusting my um my camera there because I I get a little bit OCD if it's not exactly straight yes I think that's (laughs) not that any of you will have noticed it but I noticed okay so um Good news stories of the week. Shall I go first? Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So I thought I would start out with this story, which is says that two sites have been chosen for a British rainforest project. This is oh, yeah. Craig E. Cohen. I don't know if I'm saying that right, or Cohen maybe, in the Isle of Man and Bryn Ifan in North Wales have become the first two sites named as beneficiaries of Aviva's £38 million fund to restore and expand Britain's rainforests, which, after many years of destruction, declare space for farming or development, now cover just 1% of the country. Benefits are multifaceted with the restoration of trees to the areas will remove carbon, thus providing cleaner air and water and reducing the risk of flooding. It will additionally provide habitats for wildlife and restore lost or ailing ecosystems. And finally, it will benefit local communities who will have greater access to nature and be more involved in a variety of rainforest projects. Isn't that nice? What do you think? I think that's fantastic. Um, how long is it going to take to grow these trees or are they going to Im- import them half grown? <laughs> um, it doesn't really say, but there is a link to the video. So I will put the link um, in the comments um, and in the video here um, if people want to cut away and have a look at that and how it's all going to work. But that's really cool. That's good news. I mean, definitely, I think for me, I remember learning at school that if we continued to destroy the rainforests the way we are um, elsewhere in the world when I was at school so this was sort of 87 88 they taught us that if we cut down all the rainforests global co2 levels would rise um, 
funny that, hey? Funny that. <laughs> and it's like, as I'm sitting here and I'm looking out the window, I've got the most beautiful tree, which in winter, it looks like a giant lung. Actually, I'll take a picture and I'll insert yeah. it um, because it's absolutely stunning and it looks just like a lung. And it is because it is. It's just the reverse of what we do. We breathe in oxygen and out carbon dioxide and they breathe in carbon dioxide and out oxygen. So, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, so that's my good news story. Uh, number one. What about you, Lee? What have you got for us? Well, uh, something that caught my eye, and it's it's kind of like linked into what you're saying, um, is that there's been a report, a scientific um, analysis done by um, Climate Brain, which shows that global emissions um, of CO2 appear to be flattening. So I think that is good news. Um, and I mean, we've we've spoken about climate change and um, all the rest of it on on the show before. And, you know, it's like the prevailing narrative asserts that it's human activities, especially the burning of fossil fuels, which has led to an unprecedented increase in, in global temperatures resulting in climate change. So this, this piece of information is quite positive that we seem to be trending um, in, in the right direction for, for this. Yeah, I would agree. I, think, I do think people are possibly being more conscious. I do still think that the real answer lies in commercial CO2 emissions. You know, I still feel to a certain extent us reducing our CO2 emissions is a little bit like arriving at an earthquake with a dustpan and brush, but I suppose you do what you can. Um, yeah, there was a, a related article that I saw last week which said that Gen Xs are least likely, no, Gen Zs are least likely to recycle, which I thought was interesting given that they're Very supposed to be the um, the more um, societally and ecologically aware of the, the various generations going at the moment. So I thought that was interesting, but that's definitely a good news story. And I, Actually, I that is quite interesting because the Gen Zer that lives in my household is, is really poor at, at recycling. Um, things that should go in the blue bin um, end up in the general waste. And I think it's just in this particular case, down to pure laziness. Yeah, I, I wonder actually, yeah. Um, Can't be bothered. Yeah, which is disappointing, I suppose. Yeah, but I, can I, also... I mean, we, we, we are on Gen Xs, the rest of us are Gen Xs, and, and you know, we, we, weren't, we weren't brought up with this recycling thing. It's, it's a new thing to us, and, and we're very good at it. Yeah, I guess I can relate. Maybe we feel guilt for the mess that we've created, so we feel the need to tidy it up. I also think that Gen X and Millennium, Gen Z and Millennials, um, we haven't really left. <laughs> Maybe they feel like it's just too late. Like, what difference is recycling going to make? Yeah. So I wonder about that, actually. Um, but I guess what we've got to do within each of our families is just reinforce the importance of it and just hope that they'll do that. Um, I mean, as, as two generations, they're the ones least likely to actually drive cars. I think when we were talking about voting and forms of photo ID, they were saying that <clears throat> uh, Gen Zs and millennials are, least likely, are the least likely generation to have a driver's license because it's just so expensive to insure them. You know, even if you mm -hmm. buy an old um, banger, you still got to insure it. And that's where they, you know, they they don't see the point. So I do think that as much as they might not be recycling, I think they do 
use public transport a lot more than our generation does because we kind of grew up with cars and we're kind of used to that. So, so yeah, that's quite interesting, huh? Mm. But really good news on the CO2. Where was that? Um, where did you read that, by the way? So it was um, an analysis done by Climate Brink. Um, that it's called the website is that called theclimatebrink.com. So maybe we can post the link um, below the video. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a very good idea. Okie dokie. Um, I think we've got time to squeeze one more in before we go to the break. So in other good news, it says the NHS is to offer a drug to treat inherited cancers. And it says here that breast and prostate cancers are among those that are commonly inherited thanks to faulty versions of BRACAS gene. It's good news then for anyone suffering from these cancers as the NHS has approved the use of Olaparib, a targeted therapy that will treat people with this specific form of the disease, improving quality of life as well as diminishing the chance of recurrence. 5% of women with breast cancer carry inherited gene fault. Olaparib will improve their chances of survival by approximately one third and extend life and improve quality of life for those with prostate cancer too. That's really nice. That's a good news story. Awesome. That's some really good news story, yeah. Um, especially because the NHS has decided to to fund it because they don't always decide to to fund um, new new drugs and, and things like that. Um, so they've obviously done some good analysis and, and decided um, to fund it, which is which is really good. Yeah, they're often very reactive, aren't they? They'll, they'll treat mm. systems, but not symptoms sorry but not necessarily um preventative i guess is the right word i mean i i saw something really interesting on youtube and it's a little bit conspiracy theory but we do like to do a bit of conspiracy theory now and then um i don't know have you seen the research that these people have been doing using sound waves to break up cancer tumors cancer cells no but that does make sense um... yeah they've actually found a frequency and it's actually a frequency that we as humans can actually generate. Um, I mean, I probably couldn't because <laughs> I'm tone deaf. But um, it does lend some credence to sort of Eastern mysticism and the way they used to heal with chant and, and that kind of thing. It does make you wonder, doesn't it? But it's really amazing when you see these, um, and I'll link again to that, uh, where you see these because they literally target the... Um, the tumor with um, what? What's that medical device? Um, an ultrasound. Ultrasound. Doppler. Ultrasound. They they target it with an ultrasound device, which can be very very specific. Can get right into the tumor, breaks it up, and in breaking it up, it actually allows the immune system to to beat it up and de defeat it. So I, that was something else that I came across recently. But of course, well, I guess I know for a long a long. A long time they've been using um, sound waves to break up kidney stones. Those things are pretty hard. Um, and the fact that, you know, uh, I, I see us all as, as energy and we vibrate at different frequencies. Um, and again, that lends into the sort of like Eastern medicine kind of thing. So, yeah, vibrating at a specific frequency. Yeah, I can see how that, that works pretty well. Yeah, that's a good one. 
Yeah, I, I mean, not to be a Debbie Downer, but I guess the um, the uh, medical industry won't really like that, will they? Because it's, no, of course um, not. they can't make any money out of it. It's too cheap. Money out of it, yeah. Yeah, so it'll yeah. have to it'll have to sit in the alternative theories, the alternative medicine. Um, but I do think if if God forbid I ever got something like that, I would definitely investigate alternate therapies before I pumped myself full of radiation. That I that would like to believe I would. I don't know. Chemicals, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go to a break. Um, and when we come back, Lee's going to tell us one of her exciting stories. See you in a bit. Did you know we've got an absolutely wonderful merch store? You can buy merch from the show. You can buy this mug, which supports my rugby team, the Sussex Dragons. This is one of my favorites. This is best part of waking up, turf tears in my cup. We also have t-shirts, which support my rugby team and t-shirts which express our dissatisfaction with England rugby for the way they've treated trans people. And for you bikers out there, we've got our Sisters on Steel Motorcycle Club. Scan this QR code or follow the links on tigergirl.substack.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. So as promised, Lee's got another good news story for us. Lee, what do you got? And again, there seems to be a theme going on, but uh, one of the good news articles that I came across was um, that in November, um, they did an experiment in Portugal um, where the country ran on 100% renewables for six days in a row, meeting the needs of 10 million customers with wind, hydro and solar energy so i think that's that's quite exciting uh, and um, yeah i mean just just think about it like 10 million customers on renewable energy for six days in a row uh, i think that's a pretty good test run for operating the grid without fossil fuels going forward yeah i must admit it's the one thing that i really don't understand so have you ever visited the thames barrier Yes, a long time ago. Very interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but I've never really understood why they don't use tidal power to generate electricity. Because hydroelectric power is just water running past turbines, right? And I mean, I guess uh, yeah. it's always been something I've been quite well aware of because of the big hydroelectric power plant in Zimbabwe at Kariba Dam. And I just really struggle to understand why it takes so, why we haven't harnessed tidal power in an estuary like that. So that really surprised me because you could put one um, in Edinburgh, is it Edinburgh, Dun uh, sorry, Dundee, you know, big tidal uh, surges there. Um, I remember reading uh, an article years ago with where they use um, the undulation of the waves to mm. to generate power i mean anything that moves can generate power so yeah i just think there's so much more we could be doing we don't necessarily need to be be putting um huge amounts of um windmills up but then also i read this year they were saying that um, as part of the wind farm that's off brighton um they're actually they, they've put things in place to allow coral to grow and it's sort of regenerated the marine life in that particular area, which I thought was was quite significant. Um, all this talk about how these wind farms are 
out, you know, the offshore wind farms are supposedly so bad for the environment, and yet they're actually doing a lot of stuff um, to to mitigate the impact, and in fact are being helpful because barnacles attach themselves, and you mm. know, then fish come and feed off the barnacles, and it's creating a whole ecosystem all of its own. So I think there's a lot, a lot to be said about that, and um, yeah, but that that's interesting. So Portugal it was a hundred percent or something, wasn't it? A hundred percent of their electricity for six days, um, and yeah, that that's serving a population of ten million. Wow! So wow! You know, it's not just some little town that went, um, you know, renewable for six days. It was like the whole country, really. Mm. Yeah, and I, I'm still a very strong advocate on localized power generation. That we should actually just be trying to to generate power on a more local basis rather than feeding into the big grid. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, if you've got industrial scale uh, interventions being put in place, I think that's that's really helpful. And in fact, that leads nicely on to my another one that I found, um, which was back in January, um, where it says here that. Uh, so this is from January this year. It says green energy has overtaken gas as the UK's leading source of electricity this winter. So that would have been last winter, sparing the country from an even worse energy crisis. And that's according to analysis from the Energy and Climate Intelligence Unit, which said offshore wind was leading the charge. So it says wind has chosen a good year to overtake gas, given how expensive gas has become and questions around its security of supply. So I think that's really good. That's really good news. This year, power generated by renewables reached 34 terawatt hours between 1st of October 2022 and 13th of January 2023. Two terawatt hours more than gas produced. Yeah. I think getting rid of Boris probably... Yeah, I think getting rid of Boris certainly eliminated a lot of the um, uh, a lot of the hot air. Hey? What do you think? <laughs> Could have used that as a power source. His his contribution to global warming uh, is just opening his mouth. Um, and I suppose that's a good news story as well, isn't it? The fact that we managed to get rid of Boris. Um, not sure that we ended up in a much better position, um, but thank goodness he's gone. That's a really good news. Um, we also got rid of Pretty Patel out of the cabinet. We got rid of Suella Braverman out of the cabinet. Um, so it does show that public pressure worked. You know, as much as we assume that they um, that they love to ignore us, um, I do think that there is a kind of like a groundswell, if you like, of of sentiment that they can't avoid and ignore. What do you think? I think they must be very worried because of the the coming, you know, upcoming elections and and things like that. Because it's it's ripe for a change, you know. I think I'm so sick and tired of same old, same old, same old, and people are looking for something new and different. Um. So yeah, I would imagine yeah. that the, these would be extremely concerned. Yeah, I think all I want for Christmas is a general election. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what other good news stories you got for us, Lee? Um, let's have a look. So uh, there was a, a, a new drug um, on offer for Alzheimer's, which promises to be a breakthrough. Um, and this particular um, drug called 
Donna Neb map. Maybe we shouldn't put that one in. Um, so um, yeah, it it shows um, that it's it's cleaning up the the protein buildup in the brain with people with Alzheimer's. Um, so that's looking quite promising because yeah, Alzheimer's can be like so devastating, um, not just for the person but for for the people um, in in the Alzheimer's sufferers um, family. You know, I, I don't know if you know anyone that's had Alzheimer's, but um yeah it, it really is a is a huge problem um you know so i think anything that works towards uh resolving that issue is is positive news in and of itself yeah i mean i would agree i think the whole alzheimer's thing um i read once that um smokers are statistically less likely to get alzheimer's and the theory was that it was because nicotine um is good for the brain and um i guess it's but it's the method that you get it in right so vaping and smoking i mean neither of which are particularly healthy right but i suppose if you chew nicotine gum and that sort of thing the nicotine's supposed to be good for your brain but then some um pessimist once said to me when i was telling them about that and they said yeah or it could just be they die before the onset of alzheimer's <laughs> so i was like no i'd rather take yeah a positive there's always view a different that. story <laughs> yeah yeah but that is good news and i think that's where <coughs> you know there really ought to be more I, I find it strange in a way that penicillin was invented centuries ago i mean when was penicillin invented or discovered i mean they didn't invent discovered it and um what does it say here? Let's see. Penicillin. So uh, it was Alexander Fleming in 1928 discovered penicillin. So, yeah, I mean, we're nearly 100 years on from that. So, yeah, I think we're due <laughs> to to come up with a new drug. What do you think? Especially with all the, yeah. um, with all the what are they called? Um, anti- antibiotic-resistant virus uh, bacteria. Um, but this is good news. This is a good news story. So that was good. So good, good, good progress being made in the um, in the world of medicine. So that's really good news. And time for one more before we go to break, because you can't have too much of good news. So <laughs> a study coming out of Helsinki, Finland, said this week brought fresh evidence of nature's positive impact on public health. A study of 7,000 people in Helsinki, Finland, revealed a correlation between exposure to nature and lower use of prescription drugs such as antidepressants. Interestingly, the benefits of being in nature appeared to be strongest among those with the lowest in household incomes, according underscoring the need to improve public access to green spaces. So that's quite interesting. What do you think about that? Sorry, I just got disturbed by by the dogs there. <laughs> um, they wanted to come in and, and be on the show. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely a theme going on, on here with our, our good news, isn't there? There's, there's kind of like the environmental and the, the medical impact and new studies and, and things like that. And these are very good, um, good news stories. And, you know, I think... We have so much bad news all the time um, that makes you feel down and, and depressed and why bother kind of thing. Um, 
but especially this time of the year um with the excitement i think it, it's good to focus on on the positive for for a change and and these are indeed positive things that um you're not going to find on you know the, the sort of like mainstream media thing because that's all about doom and gloom whereas these other independent um journalists and, and things like that they really um coming up with some some really good positive um actions that are, are happening in the world yeah, I think that's really that. That's a good point. I mean, the mainstream—it's proven that um, bad news is always more sticky from an attention-seeking point of view. So, you know, if you post on um, on Facebook, "I'm having a lovely day," you, you don't get any, anything back, you know. But if you put on there, "Oh, I feel like ending it all," everybody piles in to to yeah. help you out, which is. Yeah, I guess that's the challenge, isn't it? And it is one of the things that worries me about AI because that's where, um, you know, AI is learning from social media and social media is very oriented towards catastrophe. So it, it, it is worrying. Um, I think on this particular article, though, about time and nature, I think a big part of this has to do with, and you know this is like one of my bugbears, is the work-life balance that we managed to achieve during the mm. pandemic and the way in which businesses are trying to force everyone back into the office again. And, you know, at the end of the day, we proved, it's proven, it was like a global case study. Every single working professional worked from home. Um, obviously, a train driver or bus driver can't work from home. Well, not yet, anyway. Um, but information workers... You think of the city of London and all of that. And I thought it was quite ironic because one of our team meetings, uh, the boss was saying about how we all need to be more conscious about our, our carbon footprint or the rest of it. And oh, you'll love this because I saw an article a few weeks ago about is it time for a carbon passport? Is it time that we limited yeah. the, you mm -hmm. know, that you can only fly X amount? <laughs> um but yeah, um, so they're telling us all about managing our carbon footprint, but then forcing us back into the office. So yeah, the, the irony of that was not lost on me. Anyway, we're going to go to a break. And when we come back, more good news. See you in a bit. Merry Christmas from everyone at Trans Radio UK. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. So, Lee, what have you got for us? So, I found a good news story that hundreds of fruit trees are being planted around Birmingham in a bid to boost biodiversity, food production and public health. And, you know, if you think about Birmingham, what springs to mind, it's probably not blossom-filled orchards and that sort of thing. But once upon a time, did you know, England's second city, Birmingham, was surrounded by fruit trees, earning it the moniker, the town ringed by blues. And they want to bring um, a little bit of that nostalgia back into Birmingham by planting all these, these fruit trees. Um, again, linked to other stuff that we've been talking about, about, you know, the planting the, the trees to absorb CO2. So I, I think that's a, a good piece of news there. And um, yeah, apparently they were going to be planting 600 fruit trees along the number 11 bus route for all of those familiar with Birmingham. And this bus route actually loops around the city and is believed to be one of the bus longest bus routes in, in, in Europe, not just England, but in Europe. That's amazing. 
Birmingham. <laughs> Birmingham. Um, I really like that. And that's good for the bees as well, right? Absolutely. Because I think that's, I mean, this year we did the no mow. We just left our garden to go natural. And, you know, just looking out the window now, it didn't go go mad. Um, but all through the summer, there was different different plants were, were flowering. And we had purples and then yellows. Yeah. And some whites. Um, so, and, and apparently it's really, really good for the bees when you do that. And we've got to look after our bees because... They're really important they're so for us. Important. And, yeah, yeah. And they definitely love fruit trees. Um, so that's really good. I like that. That makes me happy. Um, there's actually um, a project which they're trying to get started. I'm not quite sure where it is, but they want to replace all the trees in this particular city with fruit trees so that people can actually just come and, and get their own. They can, and it's free to the public to just pick fruit. And that just seems to make so much sense. You know, um, I really like that. And it's playing on the positive side of human nature because detractors to the scheme um, will come out and say, yeah, but what's to stop someone taking all the apples off the tree? And I think you are going to get that. You're never going to get rid of yeah, the chances of and the people who who are going to take more than, than their fair share. But I, I do think eventually once they realize that those trees are always there and that fruit is always there, they're going to, It'll reduce this this um, this impetus or this need to to grab, you know. And I do have an unhealthy um, optimism in human nature, and I think presented with the right set of circumstances, I do believe we make the the right choice, not the wrong choice, more often than not. Well, we we did a, a huge veggie garden this year, um, and it was nice because the year old grandson got to have fresh vegetables. Um, but we produce far too much. And then what we do is we, we, we put it outside on a table. Um, like our potato crop was huge this year. You know, it would take us so long to eat it. And the tomatoes, I'm the only one in the house that eats tomatoes. And we had a whole bunch of tomatoes. And we put it outside and it's like free to take. Um, and you'll be amazed at like people walking past, um, just grabbing. And a couple of the other um, people on our sort of estate have, have done that as well. Um, and like more towards the spring, we'd had like little tomato plants that we thought, oh, we've got too, too many. Um, and we put those out and people have, have picked them up. So I think it's good to produce your own food. And then, you know, if you've got surplus, why not share it? Yeah, definitely. Um, my friends in France, um, they've got an acre of land um and they they grow fruit and amongst the local community they're always exchanging amongst each other for different things which is really cool it's like this it's not even a barter system because it's not even like i'll give you mm. 12 12 tomatoes for three eggs it's like i've got too many tomatoes oh i've got too many eggs how many eggs you want oh, i'll take a dozen here i have this basket of tomatoes you know mm. it's like um Again, it just goes to the point that actually human nature is to share. Human nature is to be a community and to be with each other. Um, and if we just reach out and, and connect with each other, our neighbors actually, they during COVID, they set up a little library uh, in, their, in their driveway and you can just come so you can put books in and you can take books out and then, okay. you know, and they've never run out of books. No one's ever like taken all the books and disappeared um 
which just shows that human nature is actually yeah. better than... And we've than... spoken about this community living on, on a previous show, and it is wonderful to see that sometimes, um, you know, there, there is good in society and people do operate under the greater good um, narrative. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that that they do. And I, I just, like I said, I do believe in the inherent goodness of human beings. So this was an, so so I came across a sporting one. Of course, the, the biggest good news story was the Springboks winning the World Cup for a third time. Was it three or four? Can't you? Four. No, it was fourth three. Time. Was it was fourth time. Yeah. I'm trying to think. So there was South Africa. 1995, Japan. 2019 yes. and 2023, four. Yes, four times. So, but in other good news, <laughs> it says that Wales netted a win for gender equality in football. So it says here, anyone who plays for the Welsh national football side will receive equal pay, regardless of their gender, it was announced this week. The Welsh Football Association agreed to a landmark deal guaranteeing pay parity it's understood that the men's side accepted a 25% pay cut, whilst the women's team received a 25% pay rise. In a joint statement, the men's and women's team said, We hope that this will allow future generations of boys and girls to see that there is equality across Welsh international football, which is important for society as a whole. Man, amen to that, eh? Um <laughs> It, yeah, and I mean these footballers are paid huge amounts of money. There's got there there is definitely enough money in the system to to justify um paying everybody equally. Um and and you know they love to go back to this point that yeah, but women's sport doesn't draw the same attention. Well, it's because it's not given the same attention. If you give it the same attention and you give it the same promotion and you give it the the same number of column inches and newspapers and in the good old mainstream media once again we're back on that one then then they will there, there will be more more um uh more engagement um i mean you just look at the engagement around the women's rugby team uh the english women's rugby team they, they're a hugely popular outfit and definitely amongst female supporters um they will always uh, make sure that that they get to an England match if it's you know within reach. So that's really good news. What do you think about that? I still find it so hard to believe that in 2023 that there is still a gender pay gap. Um, you know, so anything that moves away from from the gender pay gap is is positive news, and hopefully it it spreads. You know, I think if you can see success in in one sphere, you can easily transfer it to to another sphere. Learning from you know the lessons learned and, and things like that. So so hopefully it does um, it does continue to to improving and get better. Yeah, absolutely. There's no reason why it shouldn't. Um, you know, it's 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 carts and horses in a way because it's like if you don't promote something, it's a bit like my rugby team. So that's another good news story: is the creation of the first ever trans women's rugby. And people always say to me, still say to me, who are you going to get to play for you? You know, trans women have been banned for a year and a half. Where are you going to find players? And I'm like, well, if you build it, they will come. And if they know that there's a place that they can go to, then they will go and play it because people love sport. Not everybody loves sport. I get that. 
but people who love sport love sport. And that equal opportunity, I think, is absolutely critical to um to 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 people regardless of how they identify so um yeah, yeah. i think that i mean you've you've mentioned this before you haven't created this rugby club for you because you know you're a bit long in the tooth now but you've done it to Easy. give that equal opportunity to <laughs> to the youth you know to to those um who who wouldn't have that opportunity it's not that you're doing it for yourself so that you can play um, mm. you're doing it for others that are more impacted by the bannings because they're at that age where, you know, um, sport is, is, is very important and they're being cut off from that, that. So, you know, I think what you're doing is, is good news. And I, I vote that it's the good news story of the year for this, this channel. <laughs> I'll second that, <laughs> but I'm, I'm biased. <laughs> All right, let's take a final break. Um, and when we come back, we will have some more good news for you. See you in a bit. Did you know we've got an absolutely wonderful merch store? You can buy merch from the show. You can buy this mug, which supports my rugby team, the Sussex Dragons. This is one of my favorites. This is best part of waking up, turf tears in my cup. We also have t-shirts, which support my rugby team and t-shirts which express our dissatisfaction with England rugby for the way they've treated trans people. And for you bikers out there, we've got our Sisters on Steel Motorcycle Club. Scan this QR code or follow the links on tigergirl.substack.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. Uh, Lee and I were just reflecting over the break that you've really got to dig to find these good news stories. Um, and I think that's something everybody should challenge themselves to do is is just keep trying to find these these articles and, and this good news. Unfortunately, it's just not that easy. And it's like we said, it's because social media gravitates to the hyperbole and to the catastrophe. So I do think um, it's worth the dive. It's worth the dive in and the digging around to try and find it. I think everybody should do that. Um, but you, so so, what have you got, Lee? So yeah, from from our point, just to to wrap up um, again, fitting into the whole um, environment um, kind of theme that we have unofficially got going on here. I found a good news article that talks about um, deep sea find bringing hope to the Galapagos Islands. Um, apparently, they have found ancient coral reefs have now been discovered in the waters of Ecuador's Galapagos Island, in a region that was devastated by freak weather conditions four years ago, four, four decades ago. The 1982-83 El Nino event was thought to have virtually wiped out the reefs around the Galapagos, with Wellington Reef off the coast of Darwin Island thought to be among the few surviving remnants. However, scientists have now discovered extensive reefs in the middle of the Galapagos Islands, bringing hope that others may have also survived. Um, so there you go. There's some, some good news there. Yeah, I like that. Um, I mean, I do, I do find, I think I spoke before about my phobia of deep water, um, but on the occasions when I have scuba dived, I mean, it is just such an amazing environment, isn't it? Those coral reefs and stuff. Um, 
And, you know, open water diving in South Africa has always been very ecologically friendly. I mean, decades ago when I learned to dive, um, you know, we were, it was drilled into us. You don't touch the coral, you know, just float above it and look at it. And so definitely, you know, don't bring any home because the minute you take it out of the sea, it dies and looks so beautiful underwater. And you think to yourself, oh, this would make a lovely ornament. But you have to remember, if you take it out of the ocean, it dies. So that's really important. Um, but yeah, I like that. Um, you know, despite our best efforts, the uh, environment seems to be doing quite a good job of protecting itself, which is good. Um, I found a really weird one. Um, so apparently, um, the world's loneliest sheep got rescued this year. Okay. Yeah, so after being stuck on a rock for the past two years, the ewe named Fiona has been rescued by a band of volunteers. Fiona was surrounded, was stranded at the foot of cliffs in the Scottish Highlands before being rescued in what has been called an epic mission. <laughs> um, they said she is an incredible fettle. Britain's loneliest sheep is lonely no more. Uh, we've named her Fiona, and now she's safe and well and heading to a well-known Scottish park farm. Farm park. <laughs> oh, isn't that nice? That's a lovely story. That really is. Yeah, I love sheeps. I've always thought it's quite ironic that, you know, you've got lambing day, right, and people flock off to go and, and see these little lambs and interact with the lambs, and then, like, two, three weeks later, you have Easter, and people tuck into their lamb. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Um, yeah, so what have we got here? Let's have a look. We've also got one here, also nature-focused, and it says a Yorkshire nature reserve improves access for wheelchair users by using recycled material. So it says Yorkshire Water has improved accessibility to Top Hill Low Nature Reserve in East Yorkshire, allowing wheelchair users to access parts of the site for the first time. The firm has used 25,000 tonnes of recycled soil and other material to create accessible viewing platforms. The materials, which otherwise would have been sent to landfill, were left over from a £31 million improvement project at the nearby water treatment. Isn't that nice? Nice environmental good news. Very good. Yeah, it's strange how all this good news has been linked to certain threads of theme, hasn't it? Yeah, nature and... Environment, um, nature. Yeah. I hope that means that people are becoming more conscious about the importance of the environment and... Um, you know, participating in environmental activities. And again, I put it down to the pandemic because more people, <laughs> it's funny, I, I used to lament how it's like when you tell people, when people aren't locked down, the only thing they want to do is sit on the sofa and watch the telly, right? And then the minute they lift, they, they lifted the lockdown and they said, yeah, you can go for walks with your, you know, you can go out with, with family and people in your bubble. Suddenly, the all all the all the walking paths that I used to take the dogs on were just completely overwhelmed with people. <laughs> it's like I now I will go outside and exercise. <laughs> I think I must have run like I, I think I got like because you get these medals, the, these um, uh, medals that you can apply for, and like you you clock all your runs. So 
Yeah. You know, it's like... Um, virtual running club. Virtual running club. That was it. Yeah. And I think I got like 17 medals <laughs> over lockdown. I definitely, just looking at me laughing now, I think I definitely need to be doing some more running. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's lovely. Have you got any... What what else you got? We've got a few minutes left. Oh, no. Well, I was just us? thinking, you know, the the environment and and you know kind of like the focus that we've had it just springs to mind they just now this this last term my uh, local beaver and and cubs groups have all done their environmental badge and it's been you know sort of like different forms of um energy not just coal recycling um so it's good that you know this sort of like the the youngsters are getting exposed to this um Whereas we didn't when when we were their age, so I think that's quite positive as well. Yeah, I mean, I I would challenge that. I definitely grew up in a very environmentally conscious environment in Zimbabwe. We actually at the awful boarding school that I went to, we were, we were co-opted into labouring on a game farm, um, which now is a nature conservancy that all the all the schools around come to to see the nature uh, and we built that with our bears <laughs> it definitely um made us a lot more conscious of the environment um yeah it's like slave labor moving rocks and concrete yeah so anyway. i found one last one to to go okay. on with um the ozone layer is on track to recover the un says um, so apparently the Earth's ozone layer is on track to fully recover within four decades, thanks to global efforts to phase out ozone-depleting chemicals. So um, they did a, uh, the UN uh, presented its findings um, recently and said that if current policies remain in place, the ozone level layer will fully recover across much of the world by 2040. So that's not too far away. The polar regions would um, take about two decades longer. Um, but that is good news because I remember um, when the ozone layer, the hole in the ozone layer was like, you know, the top news um, back in the late 1980s, 1990s. And you don't hear too much of it nowadays. Um, you know, there's not that much of an emphasis on um, the hole in the ozone layer. And in fact, I don't think many of the youngsters today know know about it. So to see that it's, you know, it's on its way to, to being completely restored is really good. Yeah, I think that's a really good thing. And the fact that people don't talk about it, um, yeah, it's not that they weren't doing anything about it. I think we questioned that a while ago, didn't we, where we said mm, you yeah. don't really hear about it anymore. Um but maybe it's because we were winning against that. And and <clears throat> so all those people who poo-poo the need to reduce our carbon output, um, the reality is that when they changed the way things were manufactured factured and they reduced the CFCs in various products and things like that, like deodorants even, I remember, that yeah, was like big thing, CFC-free. And um, yeah, so it does work. We can actually repair the damage if we commit to it so my final one which i just find so sweet and heartwarming is it says here that prisoners in england are being taught to train assistance dogs for the community now i mean the health benefits the mental health benefits of working with dogs is just you cannot even begin to imagine right 
I mean, it just, and here they're actually, you know, doing something that, that serves not only the prisoners themselves, but obviously is a benefit to society more broadly. It says um, HMP Dovedale, a high security category B, B prison in Staffordshire, is uh, became the first adult men's prison in England to run a full time dog training course. I mean that just and and you're also giving those inmates a skill and something that yeah. they can do when they leave that they can earn an income from. I just think that's that's amazing and and a lot of the dogs are rescues that they bring in as puppies um so it's called restart dogs project um and they're paired with prisoners who teach them helpful skills such as carrying items and opening doors if you're in for burglary (laughs) (laughs) i don't know um but yeah yeah but it was opening doors not picking the locks (laughs) hopefully (laughs) yeah no let's be positive good nature Right, humans have a good nature if left to themselves. Um, the uh, yeah, I, I like that. I think that's um, it says here the program's first graduate dog Nika has been placed with Alfred Peterkin, a young man with autism. And Alfred's mother said, Nika's brilliant when she feels a meltdown happening. If it's going to take a bit too long, she'll just take him outside. And we've been able to sit in cafes and have drinks, which he didn't do before oh lovely all right so nice to end on an animal story yeah so there you go people there is good news out there um it's not easy to find but i would challenge all of you to go and find it where you can so uh any final thoughts lee Oh, no, I, I just think um, it was really nice to to have a, a focus on on positivity and uh, I hope that it um, encourages people to go and look for, for good news because it is out there. Yeah, a nice I break from our usual. more out there, but yeah, a nice <laughs> yeah. break. Cool. Good. Well, thanks, everybody, for being with us. Stick around after the break for Unorthodox Jukebox, MG's Unorthodox Jukebox, and we will see you all again next week. And with that, it just leaves me to say goodbye from me. And goodbye from Lee. See you all next week. Bye. Bye. For the community, by the community, Trans Radio UK. Merry Christmas from everyone at Trans Radio UK.